Intermittent Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hunt, here with my co-host, Ellie. We're going to be talking about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. All right, all right. Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Easily the best Harry Potter book. I'll give you top three. Top two, maybe. Yeah. What is the... What's the other one for you? I love Order of the Phoenix. I still stand by that. I cannot articulate how wrong you are. And that's, like, it deeply saddens me. And I wish I was, like, putting this on for the podcast. I'm not. You're wrong. (laughs) It's so not... There are so many books that are better than Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, you just like creature, serious, grimald places, your favorite. This is my favorite. I like all of the, like, extra stuff we get in Order of the Phoenix. Like what? It's a lot more world building. I like seeing more of, like, Sirius's backstory, and I like filling in those pieces. I like the Ministry of Magic stuff with the, the Department of Mysteries and everything. I'm, like, mildly okay with that, but I just, the... Uh, serious in the bounds the marauders within the bounds of the third book are perfect Mm -hmm. and they're wonderful and they're awesome and she so twists them Mm -hmm. in book five into making them instead of like the cool gang of heroes that are like Fred and George and they're the coolest people in school everybody loves them she turns them into bullies Yeah. and Harry has to wrestle with his father being a bully Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah, no, that's not good reading, and because she clearly redconned it, mm-hmm. and then had to come back and try and like actually <clears throat> fix it up, where he uh, Harry's dad was supposed to be a uh, head boy, and he was supposed to be like the nicest guy, the most wonderful person. She kind of like changes it as like, oh, he started out as like an asshole, and then he just kind of became nice over time, and mm-hmm. it's like okay, like he can just yeah, be like, he, nice. When he grew up, like he became a better person. I think there's something to be said for, like, I like, I don't like that he's an asshole, but I think the Harry having to wrestle with, like, his parents not being the perfect people that he imagines them to be, I kind of like that having to, that growing up and realizing that your parents have flaws. Uh, sure. Not in a fairy tale. I could see, I would, I would say that I, mm. Goblet of Fire on, it becomes much more, it's not a fairy tale anymore. It's, it's, it's much more dark and there's a lot more Which, grime to it. Oh, I would say from three on, it's that, it, yeah. it is that terms. Uh, we definitely, we talked about this in Sorcerer's Stone and mm-hmm. Chamber of Secrets where they're kind of, you know, kid boarding school stories yeah. with little aspects of like danger and horror in them. Three is when you get the complete pivot into... It's kind of a murder mystery. Yeah. It's a little bit of a thriller. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why I love it. But um, in in the bounds of five, there's a lot of negativity in that book. There is. There from is. From literally every angle. And that, I find, is a little depressing. And I think one of the angles they didn't need to do it from is the Marauders, because I think she single-handedly ruins mm-hmm. all of the characters. Except for Peter Pettigrew, which is ironic... Because he's a great little worm, isn't yeah. he? Well, I feel like she was trying to build up the like the rivalry and the, the, the relationship between 
James and Severus. It's like they're needed, especially in book five, we got a lot more of Severus, of Snape's backstory because mm-hmm. of the Occlumency lessons. Um, and I think she's, she was at this point trying to make him more of a sympathetic character. Like you can see why, like see the progression from that sad, like lonely little boy to the Death Eater to the double agent. I, uh, but I would say that instead of sympathizing, mm-hmm. I don't sympathize him. I just, he's so pathetic yeah. in his like way that it delineates him both as a villain and as a hero. Yeah. I would say that she undercuts herself there because she goes too far on the spectrum of you could make Snape sympathetic in his love for Lily Mm -hmm. um, in that moment. And you can have James fight Snape all the time, Mm -hmm. but you can also have Snape be a little bit closer to the Lucius Malfoy Mm -hmm. way of things where suddenly Snape isn't really a great villain to Harry if Harry has to watch him get bullied as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, I don't know. I don't think that that's great character development for mm. Snape. If Snape is, like, cool, but the antithesis of James, mm-hmm. where, you know, Snape might be the coolest Slytherin. Yeah. Um, but only the Slytherins like him, mm-hmm. and that's totally fine. I think uh, if you had made Snape a cooler version of Draco, that would have been awesome. I guess, but I don't think she, I don't think having him... I think there needed to be some um, separation between him and the rest of the Slytherins. I don't think he could. I don't think he could be that almost redeemable double agent type villain if he was a Lucius Malfoy the entire time. I think mm-hmm. he needed to be kind of like he, like he and Lily were each other's best friends from when they met in childhood, and then you, we see them growing apart in his memories and as he's becoming more and more kind of indoctrinated by the other Slytherins, but I don't think he can start off that way. I think he has to be kind of turned and I think James is a big part of that turning. Uh, but I, I think it would be more interesting and more compelling mm-hmm. if he was cooler and Lily had to like actually make the decision mm-hmm. and it was actually a hard decision. What if she actually did like Snape? What if she mm-hmm. actually had a crush on him? Yeah. But she also had a crush on James, and she made the decision mm-hmm. of the, between the two, James is the better option, mm-hmm. and I like James better. Mm-hmm. I think that that would have been much more compelling, is Snape always knowing that he just, like, it was just his manner yeah. that made her, like, just close, close, but he never quite reached the bar of her affection. Mm-hmm. And I like that better than he's friend-zoned the entire time. He's just tortured I, by I think, the almost what could have been. Well, I think there was a, a moment, and this was after he calls her mudblood, mm-hmm. and after they're tr- he's trying to um, apologize and trying to come back from that. It's been, it's been a while since I've li- listened to or read um, those sections, but I feel like there was a moment where it was almost like, oh, that like this could have been a thing if you hadn't gone down this path. She um, she definitely talks about it, but it can be interpreted as uh, as a friend mm-hmm. and them just ending their friendship. Yeah, because I think she specifically says like we can't be friends anymore. Well, obviously not. No. Yeah, but I think but I think I think she, I I interpreted it as her saying that there was there had been that possibility of the two of them being together but she couldn't because of the path that he was taking and then he kind of just he took that step where she's like no I don't even I can't even have you in my life anymore yeah I um I think I like I would have liked it if it was a little bit 
closer, mm -hmm. is my idea. Is uh, I, I think that was probably a subliminal interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, but I think she has said specifically, like, they were, or Lily just thought of him as a friend and didn't really ever consider him as anything else. And I think it would have been a better, yeah. more compelling story if she had. Yeah. Um, but that being said, within the bounds of book three, all the entire cast is impeccable oh, yeah. of characters. Oh, yeah. The background of the Marauders is one of my favorite parts of mm -hmm. Harry Potter. And my headcanon rejects a lot of Order of the Phoenix because of that. Because within the bounds of book three, oh my god, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, from, you know, the very beginning, when you have serious breaking out of Azkaban right from the get-go, and you just set it off as, like, this madman broke away, broke out of a prison no one's ever broken out of before, right. and his whole goal is to murder Harry. Yeah. Right from the get-go, I'm like, all right, that's... Talk about just a great book beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, Sirius is a great villain because he's just a manic murderer. Yeah. And it, the fact that you have such a, a cataclysmic shift in... You go from, he's after Harry, Harry's kind of like, oh yeah, like I'm not going to go looking for him. Um, but then you have uh, the shift when Harry finds out that, oh, he betrayed my parents. Mm -hmm. And you get angry Harry for the first time, mm -hmm. which granted in the movies is probably the only time that Daniel Radcliffe slips. Which uh, he did, I think his acting did significantly better mm -hmm. from book I mean, movie two to movie yeah, three. Yeah, he, he grows up a little bit. He's a little bit... Yeah. He's making better choices yes. as, as an actor. Um, but that, when he has that one scene of, like... He was that friend! Yeah, ex <laughs> exactly. He's like, yeah. That's a bit much. Bingo. Mm -hmm. um, but no, it's the... Also, his, his, his attempt at crying is yes, not good. Pitiful yeah. is how I would, how I would describe it. Um, but yeah, no, I... Uh, Sirius is my favorite Harry Potter character, so I'm biased. I will admit that. Mm -hmm. But no, the... Um, I love Lupin. Oh, yeah. Lupin's another one of, like, talk about just perfect characters. Yeah. From the get-go, um, when they're on the train and the Dementor comes in for the first time, and uh, he just goes from this, like, pitiful, sleeping, uh, you know... Looks kind of like bags. a hobo. Yeah. And he suddenly, he, they said, like, his light was just filled with the light of, the, or his eyes were filled with the light of the fire that he's holding in his hand, yeah. which I think is so much cooler than they did in the movie. In the movie, it was a little lame, because mm -hmm. he just kind of popped up, and then yeah. did it. And it was kind of a weird shot, but I do love the, I don't know, there's something about that sacred fire that I always, yeah. always love in fantasy, when somebody just pops up to, you know, fight a demon with yeah. fire. It's always awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, is Lupin your favorite? He's up there. Mm -hmm. He's he's my favorite marauder for sure. Um, I don't know if I could say he's my favorite character. I love McGonagall so much. I love McGonagall too. How much? Um, what makes Lupin better than the other marauders to you? Because I am genuinely curious. So I think like Sirius and James were like the popular funny ones, but I also think they did have a little bit of the assholery about them, which is not within the bounds of book three it comes out in order of the phoenix but it's, I, yes to be mm -hmm. fair yes but i always i do feel like the swagger was always there and kind of that cockiness lupin is just more of the like keeps to himself he's quiet he's 
My mom, he's, he's just the cute, he's like the cute little bookworm, mm-hmm. and I like him. <laughs> he's me. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I can, I, I definitely relate to that, and I the, love... Like, Sirius and James' bravado is, like, is awesome, but it was, it's not my favorite thing. Yeah, no, I, and, the, but that's what I'm talking about, is with, they, if she had continued with her line of the way they were, and they were Fred and George, how much more do you love Fred and George more than... James and Sirius. Yeah, big time. Exactly, and that's what I'm talking about. Is that's kind but of I what we're supposed to do? I still don't they... know if um if if that would change my opinion because I love Fred and George, but they are still that like in your face personality. Yeah. And I I like the more like with like res- Quiet, the reserve. Gentle, yeah. I like the reserve of Lupin better. Yeah, which is totally fair, and I'm not arguing for one is better than the yeah. other. I'm just poking out why yeah. I think that um, she kind of made James and Sirius more flawed yeah. than they needed so to So in do. remind me, in book three, we just get the impression of James like from Lupin and Sirius, right? We just kind of get there. No, we also what get... We get? Um, so, so what happens is that's when Harry... Um, yells at Snape like my you know my you always hated my father but my father saved your life yes and that's when Snape says oh he just did it to save his own neck yeah and that's when kind of um Harry kind of starts to think like oh like maybe my dad wasn't awesome and then you kind of find out that like James actually was awesome and it's like yeah that's kind of the way it should be yeah and that that was part of it where like the prank serious pulls on Snape always bothers me Uh, I agree where it's it's like yeah you don't like him cool like but you don't if if James if James had not gone after Snape Snape would have been killed yes and that's I agree that it was too far yeah. and the fact that Sirius also has zero remorse for it where when they're adults and yeah. he can say like you know you were a Death Eater you tried to help kill. But my when, friends yeah, and but like kill when me. you're 14, 15... And yeah, like and you're... he legitimately tries to murder Snape? No, yeah. I think that... And I agree. I think that that's bad yeah. writing on her part, too. Yeah. Of, like, he can... Um, he can make the joke go too far. Right. And then also have regrets. But it's... Uh, what's my call? But I don't, I don't like that he's totally apathetic, just whether Snape lives or dies. Yeah. Which, um, granted, that being said, um, if he casually hexes, curses, does any of those things in the hallway to Snape, totally okay with it. That's, it's Harry Draco dynamic. Mm -hmm. But imagine if you had a Draco that also had like a little bit of majesty and power behind it, which is Snape and that low cunning. Yeah. Not even low cunning. It's high cunning. He is just a brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. Um, But if you had the equal but opposite of Snape and Lucius as like the duo versus Harry versus um. I mean, not Harry, versus uh, James and Sirius uh, against them. That would be a good time. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I do love Lupin. I, I totally agree. As much as I love Sirius, it's the reason I love the Marauders is because they are a perfect square. Yeah. Like, uh, I and I, my pet theory has always been J.K. Rowling wrote the Marauders originally envisioning the Beatles. I've mentioned this to you several times before, and I still maintain it yeah. once you think about it. James very easily could be the Paul McCartney. Uh-huh. Sirius is very clearly the John Lennon. Uh, Lupin is the George Harrison. And Peter Pettigrew, unfortunately, is Ringo. But it's, um, you know, it's that equal 
personality thing where mm-hmm. it all makes sense for why all four of them are friends. Yeah. And all four of them have such interesting backgrounds and makeups and like their jokes are genuinely funny and yeah. they seem like they would like they're just well-written friends which doesn't always happen which right. I I love it when it does. Yeah. Um what else do we get? We get the introduction of the Marauders map. Yeah. Is, uh, which is another super, big super thing, cool. Which is one of my favorite artifacts that oh, yeah. she ever comes up with. I'd say like of like, you know, the hero gets his sword, the hero gets his, mm-hmm. like, companions and stuff like that. I love that Harry has the invisibility cloak and the Marauders. Oh, yeah. Well, I also like that it is limited to the bounds of Hogwarts, too, where it's like, it's not this all-knowing yes. thing. It's like, yes. no, this just helps you sneak around school. Yeah, but it also, like, it's so flexible yeah. that it helps him in so many different ways. Right, where then he's able to use it in, like, other much more serious, much more life-threatening situations mm-hmm. where initially it was like, oh, no, this is just gonna let me sneak out to Hogsmeade. Yeah, which I think is great. Also, by the way, talking about development yeah. for um, characters is... Uh, Fred and George. Yeah. I amazing older brothers to Harry. Oh yeah. I love that they skip over Ron and they're like, Harry needs this. Yeah. That is a priceless artifact that they uh-huh. found that's totally like theirs by right of conquest and they genuinely like, no, we gotta give it to the orphan kid because he needs mm-hmm. uh what's McCall? He needs to get to Hogsmeade. Yeah. And that's super overlooked because it's like, oh, Fred and George could be assholes sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but if you look at every one of their interactions with Harry, they're wonderful to Harry, and it's awesome, and I love that. Um, well, it's the same in um, Sorcerer's Stone, mm-hmm. when Harry's broom is jinxed, and the two of them are circling underneath him, trying, like, first they're trying to pull him off the broom, but then yeah. the broom keeps going up higher and higher and higher, so they're just circling underneath him, like, all right, we'll, we'll just catch him when he falls. Yep. And they really do, they kind of have this um, protective, he is, they accept him as their little brother. Yeah. And I, I think that's wonderful. And it's why the Weasleys are, like, every one of the characters that she writes for the Weasleys is awesome. And I love Mr. Weasley um, being a, a father figure to Harry yeah. in the beginning of the series as well. Uh, I think it's kind of a weird note because it's the only time that he's ever, like, super serious in the early movies. Yeah. Um, and then he keeps, like, walking from post to post through the darkness, like, yes... And Harry. There's a bit of a... There might be a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think. What else? Uh, we get Divination for the yep. first time. Oh, Trelawney. Uh, another brilliant, uh, like, acting slash casting. Emma Thompson is fantastic she, as Trelawney. She is awesome. She plays it perfectly. Yeah. Um, but it's just that crazy art teacher. <laughs> yeah. And that's... Well, the drama teacher. Bingo. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the drapes like... and the shawls and... Yes. Oh, my God. And it's just... She's, uh, great written, great, uh, acted. It, uh, the... Looking the beyond. Yes. The storyline that she has is, like, she's an old fraud. Yeah. And everyone's convinced of it. But then if you look closely, every single one Everything of her predictions... She, yeah. Every prediction she makes comes true. It's just super wacky. And that's what I absolutely love, that that's a little kind of, like, tidbit that yeah. J.K. Rowling throws in there for when you read the book a second time and you realize, oh, my God. Yeah. Or it's makes, like, oh, yeah, she's absolutely insane. Yes. And even she thinks she's a fraud. Yeah. But she tries to play it off, and it's like, no, she's actually really, really good. 
And even Dumbledore thinks she, that she's yeah. an old fraud. Like, it is, oh, it's, and uh, what's McCormick? Ron is at his absolute funniest oh, yeah. with Trelawney when they're looking through the, into the crystal ball, uh, balls and, um, they, uh, she says, like, uh, you know, look into the beyond, see what, if you can see anything. And Ron just goes, well, I can tell you one thing about the future. There's going to be a load of fog tonight. <laughs> like, hysterical. Yeah. Or when he shouts, uh, can I look at Uranus to Lavender? Yeah. And everyone laughs yeah. except her. Yeah. And then suddenly she gets all like, you're going to do 45 reams of scrolls for homework. Yeah. And it's awesome. That I do. And I love that she actually does have her great prediction and her prediction and prophecy is great yeah. too. And like the the oracle side of things. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, Hagrid and Kara Magical Creatures. I, uh, I, the Hippogriff storyline is okay. I mm-hmm. love the it's idea just a, of Buckbeak. It's shoehorned in there to give Sirius a way out. And even then, I'm kind of okay with it, but it, it's a bigger part than it needs to be. And then Buckbeak is, like, never mentioned again. He's yeah. like He's, like, vaguely mentioned as, like, living in Grimald Place, and then after Sirius dies, spoiler alert, Yeah. Buckbeak just disappears. Yeah, exactly. No, he goes back and he becomes Witherwings and Hagrid ha- ah. takes care of him again. But it's, yeah, it's just one of those, um, totally fine with like, Mal- it makes Malfoy a better villain. Yeah. Um, we certainly get one of Hermione's shining moments of like kicking the living shit out of Malfoy oh, in the movie. Yep. Because it's supposed to be a slap in the, in the book's and Ron is, like, really impressed. I'm like, oh, Hermione. I love that they make it more badass women. Like, she women, punches and him. And she hauls off and punches yeah. him. And that's, it's, it's an awesome moment. Oh, yeah. Especially, what is it, Ron's line is like, you scare me sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, slap could be just as painful and just as, as, like, effective. But it is distinctly a feminine attack. Yeah. Where her hauling off and, like, just punching him in the nose is perfect. It is. It's awesome. Um, we get our introduction to Hogsmeade. That's another yep. big thing. Um, your world building there. Which I love. I think Hogsmeade's great. I think it's a perfect little addition to um, the storyline. Yeah. It, is it, what is it? The, the only wizarding village in Scotland? Is that what it is? It's the only... Like, fully wizarding. Fully wizarding community. Yeah. In all, in all of Britain. Britain. Yes. So, like, Godric's Hollow... Yeah, that's right, right. Godric's Hollow is both wizarding and muggle. Yes, and that's what um, most people kind of coexist with muggles. Yeah. And, um, I just, uh, you know, I don't... I think that she probably could come up with a couple of cooler places yeah. for shopping, because it's kind of like... You get the um, joke it, shop, I was going to say, it's Zonko's, sticks. and it's Dervish and Banjis, and, um, what's the, um... Honey Dukes. Honey Dukes. And uh, you get, um, what's it called? Madame Rosmartis. Yeah, the three, bird, the three bird sticks. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty um, that's pretty cool. I love the Shrieking Shack. Yeah. It's like we don't get really the Hogshead introduction until the fifth movie, really. Yes. Or the fifth book, depending. That too. Yes, book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, um, I enjoy it. I love uh, Hagrid and all the teachers going out and getting drinks together. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that Hagrid's the one that, like, uh, tells everyone, uh, about, like, Sirius Black and how much of, like, oh, yeah, that's totally, like, you're not supposed to tell people, Hagrid, stop getting drunk and talking shit. Yeah, and it's also, I love how Hagrid 
being the half giant that he is, cannot hold his liquor in any way. Uh, he can hold his liquor. He just drinks it by the gallon. That's what I mean. So yeah, man. Yeah, see, if he, if he had like two or three pints with Professor McGonagall and Flitwick, he'd be totally fine. It's the fact that he is drinking a gallon of he's drinking yeah. like two or three gallons of. Yes, that is a totally totally valid point. Yeah. Um, um, I love that Harry finds out about um, Sirius betraying them that way. I think like it's. I love when she writes scenes that aren't that are plot based, but she has like four or five reasons for writing the scene that way. Yeah, and that's when you can go, oh, like that's a well written scene because so many lines get tangled in there where Harry's invisibility cloak gets used. He has to use the Marauder's map. He's yep. uh, sneaking out of Hogwarts for the first time, so it's tied in with Sirius yep. and. Uh, it's, it, uh, you know, the reveal is there. It's something, it's a casual conversation that easily could, ha- like, seems like it would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love it when she writes scenes like that. Uh, the, I, the, the amount of stress that happens when uh, Harry is just racing back after mm-hmm. the second time and he sneaks out when they're fighting with Hermione to yeah. go um, with uh, a fight with Malfoy. Oh my god, that stresses me out to this day and yeah. i love and he has to leave the the invisibility cloak inside the the tunnel yep and he's literally just trying to wipe mud off on his pants on the inside yeah um and snape knows exactly what's up oh yeah um i do love the dynamics between snape and lupin uh, yes throughout the book where all of it is snape great. is a total asshole the lupin is just like dude i'm just trying to just trying to exist. Yeah, and it, well, it's and he's like he's a little bit snarky to Snape too, where he does not like Snape, but he's not gonna be the one to yeah instigate. He, I was gonna say Lupin's clearly the adult about it, and yeah. it's like yeah, we hated each other as kids, but like you know we I don't, don't like need you to, anymore. Yes. But we work in the same building, so we might as yeah. we live in live in and work in the same castle. So yeah, we might as like, well exactly get along. And it's just Snape just such has open disdain and hatred yeah. for him, and oh, he's such a good like well written dick to yep. Lupin. Oh. Oh, yeah. Granted, Lupin is too by immediately having Snape show up in Neville's grandmother's clothes. Yep. Like, he, Lupin clearly oh, designed yeah. that to happen, to have a fun class and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Completely, yeah. Lupin was very much that George Harrison of, like, kind of a quiet word that yeah. would make you crack up. Uh-huh. But he's a little bit more of an instigator than yeah. people give him credit Yeah, for. he's not going to be the one that you immediately look to when stuff happens, but yeah. he's behind the scenes working the magic. Exactly. Um... The, I thoroughly enjoyed the, um, we should pro- I mean, Quidditch in this oh, yeah. is fantastic, because it really means something, it's awesome, like we talked about they the last They win the, one. um... The Quidditch Cup? The Quidditch Cup this time, and mm-hmm. Harry's broom gets destroyed. That was a huge I thing. know, the Nimbus 2000. Yeah, Ugh, and then the Firebolt man. comes, and Hermione being, like, a little bit of a rat, but... She's kind of Com- an asshole. Coming from a good place, but also being like, oh, God, really? She, yeah, she's such a know-it-all. Yeah. And that's... She can say, like, hey, it might be cursed. And it's totally valid to say that to Harry, and then Harry go, no, it's not. He's old enough to make his own decisions, mm-hmm. and it's not her job to right. be in, like, and oh. And like, going and getting McGonagall. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. So I, the, um, the not liking of... Hermione's behavior in this one by Ron, I think is a lot more justified than yes. in book four or um, in book five when they're yeah. fighting. Or they cut it out completely six, in yeah. the movie, which... 
No, I, they fight a little bit. No, but they cut out the whole thing with the firebolt in the movie where Harry gets. That's the ending scene is when Harry gets the firebolt. It's got Buckbeak's feather attached to it. So we don't have the whole conflict between Harry and Ron and Hermione with the firebolt. Yeah, he just gets delivered the firebolt. Yeah, right? at yeah. the end of the like after Sirius has escaped, after like at the end of Year Feast or whatever, Harry gets a firebolt. So we don't even get the Quidditch Cup. No, in the third movie. doesn't the um, what's it called? Don't they drop it off and say like that's a broom? Or is that, am I getting that mixed up with the Nimbus? You're getting that mixed up with the Nimbus. Oh, that's because the the last um, shot of the Prisoner of Azkaban movie is Harry flying up on the firebolt. Oh, that's wicked funny. Yeah. All right. Um, I love it in the books. I think mm-hmm. that that is like a genuinely, that's a really good storyline. And it's a really cool yeah. um, way to like try and like curse something yeah. to, uh, to actually get to Harry. And it's like totally believable. And once again, we all understand where her mind is coming from. She's just being a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. Um, I love that Wood. Uh, like the humor and the obsession that Wood has with Quidditch, mm-hmm. I think, is so goddamn funny every yep. single time. I know. I wish he was more of a character after. I wish he the was too. Movie. I just, I her, she kind of started to disregard Quidditch. Yeah. Um, and she she definitely uses it in this one as a as a way for Harry to fight the Dementors. Right. Um, which I think is wonderful and a great idea because we don't get the um, Malfoy and. Crab and Goyle dressing up as Dementors and Harry producing a Patronus. Hilarious. We don't by get the that. Way, I think that, oh, that was... is, yes, that is definitely and one Madame of the And Madame hauling off on them. Yes, that is awesome. Um, the, what's McCall, them getting tangled up in the robes. Yep. That's one of my favorite parts because it's just funny. Yeah. Like, pure and simple. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, what else in Quidditch. Yeah, I love the, the comparison between the brooms. I love, she sets up the Firebolt storyline mm-hmm. in when Harry's in Diagon Alley by himself, which I think is great. Um, and, uh, what is it? Uh, Florian Fortescue. Yeah. He's the one that gives him ice cream. cream cones. Yeah. Um, the, I'm trying to think of what else. Goes on. I mean, we get a lot more of Diagon Alley because Harry has like two weeks to just like hang out there after yeah. he blows up Aunt Marge. Which is really funny that he's kind of like this is the first time he gets to be on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like we should talk to mentors. I feel yeah. like that's a big, big thing. Mm-hmm. We have J.K. Rowling's manifestation of depression, which yeah. I think is incredible. Fantastic. Yeah. It's not. Um, it's you know when Azkaban's mentioned, it's always in like hushed tones of how terrible it is and. They talk about the Azkaban guards, but this is the first time they're referred to as Dementors. Yeah, and I mean, this is no. the first time you're introduced to them. And holy hell, what a great, yep. great creation. It's, it's literally like hell on earth. Yeah. And But the way she describes it as like the apathy that mm-hmm. goes on. And Hagrid literally just talks about like, yeah, it's just the worst things that you can ever imagine. Mm-hmm. Keep going through your head and you can never, ever yeah. let them out. And it's like, yeah, that's pretty much what depression is. Yeah. And that's she does this wonderful job of that. Yeah. Especially manifesting them into these raves. Yeah, they were creepy. How'd you like them in the in the movies? Do you think they did a good job? I or? think they did about as good a job as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the hands are super creepy and like mm-hmm. kind of like clack, the clacking almost of bones. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I like that you can see kind of this rotting mouth mm-hmm. within the the hood of the cloak i would almost rather not see anything and just mm-hmm. have it be that emptiness and that nothingness mm-hmm. um but no i think the way that they kind of like float and glide along is super super scary easily one of my favorite scenes yeah in in just 
cinematography is when you have the the flowers. Yeah. And the, the frost that comes yeah, yeah, it is that feeling past. of cold that comes with them. Yes. Oh my god, it's wonderful. And that's it's a thing that's not mentioned in the books that they just made as a choice of when the Dementors come, suddenly it gets very, very cold. No, they do mention that in the books. This... They, yeah, they mention you can see your breath, but the like the frosting no, on the frost that is, doesn't yeah. happen. But I think that that's But it is like they do say like all oh, the the air gets cold, like when Harry and Dudley are in the tunnel mm-hmm. in the fifth book. Yeah. Like, the air gets cold. But this is that's later on retroactively. The right. movie's already happened and she's probably agreeing with that. Mm-hmm. I don't know in the bounds of the book, I don't remember her ever mentioning like suddenly, you know, it, it was cold. freezing cold. And I could be I wrong. I have to go back and look at that to yeah. figure that out. Yeah, I don't know. But um, I, I love that. Uh, I love Harry's fight with them in Quidditch. I think yeah. that is great. Um, I like you get to see a little bit more of the power of Dumbledore as he uh, saves his life after yeah. he falls off the broom. Yeah. Um, him and Lupin bonding mm-hmm. over the Patronus is great. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, once again, I think that, uh, Harry should be more powerful than he is. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where she starts to get into it. Yeah. And I feel like... Being a 13-year-old who can produce a a fully corporeal Patronus charm. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that's awesome. Yeah. But I kind of, I kind of wish she developed the Patronus more so than just it fights Dementors. Yeah. Imagine if she, like, you can make a Patronus, but it also is, like, your guardian and it actually, like can fight things other than Dementors. Imagine mm-hmm. if that's how Harry beat Voldemort. Yeah. Instead of yelling Expelliarmus, which, by the way, fucking stupid. They say your, your non-native Dorchester came out there. Expelliarmus. Yeah, well, eh. anyway. Um, it is so... It, it... I like how, I think it was Kingsley Shacklebolt who was able to come up with the way to make them messengers. I thought that was super cool. I think that is cool, and she She should have gone farther with that. I think she should have gone farther with that, and I think that it would be a really cool thing of, like, Harry learns how to somehow manipulate it into this awesome power. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about this a dozen times, and I'm I'm definitely going to have a whole episode. Uh, Me and Reggie Wilder were having a hardcore argument over the ending of uh, Harry Potter and how... Harry never ends up being anything more than, like, a slightly above average wizard, and how... He's lucky. Every single time. Yeah, and it's kind of like like fate decided that he's going to do this, whereas James, Lily, are two of the most... They're literally described as two of the most powerful wizards, two of the smartest people of their age, and Harry's, like, average to above average. Yeah. He, there's nothing super remarkable about him other than he's a wonderful person, which is a good message, mm-hmm. but he should learn to, through yeah. being a good person, but also he should learn how to be... And I don't, I'm not demanding he'd be super smart, but he should at least have like one powerfully magical thing that he can do mm-hmm. that other people can't do. And if you see... Throughout the bounds of the books, uh, like, one of his big things is he can do a Patronus. Everybody's impressed by that. And then by the end of the books, everyone's doing it. Right, he saw the entirety of the DA how to make Patronuses. Yeah, and I think that that undercuts his, uh, I I don't know, it undercuts Harry's power for me, which I don't, I don't love. Um, But it started out great, and within the bounds of this book, it's amazing. I think it's so cool. Absolutely. Yeah, you get the development of, um... Him and Lupin's relationship, which ties him back to his father. I like that you get hints of Lupin knowing James, but he doesn't tell mm-hmm. Harry that, and he wants to treat him as a normal kid. Yeah. Um, even though, like, Lupin 
probably should have been his guardian as well if he wasn't a werewolf. Right. Um, so I, I do, I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy that one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pretend like I haven't re-recorded this ad 15 times. Hi, I'm Ben Hunt. I hate to interrupt your lovely podcast experience with this ad, but I'm going to anyway. Why? Because Anchor needs me to. So I'm really never going to advertise for anything that I don't believe in. And Anchor, I actually believe in. So Anchor is an app or a website that allows me to do everything I need to for the podcast. It allows me to record and edit right from my phone or my computer. It also allows me to distribute my podcasts on every listening platform you can think of, from Spotify to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, even Stitcher. So basically, it's a one-stop shop for everything you need in a podcast. And best of all, it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So we should probably pick up... Actually, one of the things that I do want to talk about is the Whomping Willow. That's a really cool device that she came up with. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely part of Prisoner of Azkaban, which it's fine. I don't love the, the flying Ford Anglia in Chamber of Secrets. No, I don't particularly like was... any of the... But again, I feel like she was still kind of developing as a writer with Chamber of Secrets, where... I don't know. She seemed completely developed as Sorcerer's Stone, is my argument. Yeah, but I remember Chamber of Secrets is just Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. Redone. Pretty much. She hadn't come up with an original idea aside from having the basilisk. Yeah, which is still kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's like, she want, it's like she wanted to introduce the idea of the Whomping Willow, and the only way that she came, could come up with it was crashing into it with a car and having to beat them up. Yeah, which I... I and then having I, the, the car save them in the forest. I was going to say, I don't care about the car, I don't care about them crashing into the car, but the Whomping Willow itself yes. is cool. I yes. like that there is an Entish Huron tree mm-hmm. that just beats the shit out of people if it gets too close. Yeah, it's Old Man Willow. Exactly. I like that she wove that into... Lupin's story as yeah. well and Snape's story. Yeah. Because obviously it was uh what's gonna call it? it it almost killed Snape, so that was the the whole thing there. But it was Gives literally Crookshanks an opportunity to show his kneeselness. Yeah, exactly. Um Is it kneesel or kneesel? Because it's knut, right? Or are they nuts? I have n- no idea what you're talking about. Are you talking about the wizard Yeah, like wizard money is it's is a knut. It, it's a knut, so yeah. would Crookshanks be a partly kneesel or is it just kneesel? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what that word is. Okay. A kneesel is kneesel. It was like it's one of the um the magical creatures that gets talked about briefly where I think Hermione or Ron Sirius maybe says that he thinks Crookshanks is part kneesel. It's just like a super smart um magical cat type creature. I think I actually I have heard that mentioned. I don't K N E A Z L E. I yeah, I don't know what the correct pronunciation yeah. is, but I will give you that. I don't think that um Sirius mentions it in this book cuz I think I would have remembered that. Okay. Such a weird word. Yeah. Um but yeah, you get um the Whomping Willow planted because of Remus uh Lupin and I yeah, it's a it's a good time. It, <laughs> it is a cool magical object. I love that Harry's um Nimbus 2000 is like oh, the Nimbus smashed. 2000. Uh, you sound like one it's of so the young sad. ladies that got the Nimbus 2000 toy. 
I did, and then my dog ate it. Fair. No, 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 no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, they had to recall. Yes. Ooh, that's all. Nope, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, people got a little too, uh, they were too into the vibrating. No, I, uh, <laughs> no, I had a, I had Harry on Either his Nimbus 2000 or his Firebolt, and you could attach it to your ceiling, and it flew around. Yeah, my, uh, my And then my dog ate one. it, because I left it on the floor, because I was, like, eight. Yeah, my brother had, um, same thing. Um, so we should probably take it into... The Shrieking Shack! Yes, which, uh, we talked about the Shrieking Shack oh, before, and how it is really ever. cool. Cat, rat, and dog. Yep. It is fantastic. Uh, once again, I don't really care about... Um, Buckbeak's storyline. I like I like Buckbeak. I don't want him to die, but I also think that that being a major plot point of no. the entire book, it's is like boring apart from him hanging out in Grimald Place in a spare bedroom eating mice, he's never mentioned again. Yeah, pretty much. Um, oh no, you said he's um, he's Witherwings. Witherwings. Yep, yeah. I always forget about that. So the the best part is the instant that Hermione finds Scabbers. And I love the tension that she builds mm-hmm. as they're trying under the invisibility cloak to get away from Hagrid's cabin after they're visiting him and they know that Buckbeat's about to be executed. Yep. And they're furiously trying to keep under the invisibility cloak as Scabbers is having a complete and utter panic attack. Yep. And it's like uh, the invisibility cloak is just too small for all of them now because mm-hmm. they're all, thir- they're growing. Yeah, I was going to say, they're starting to mu- go up, grow up. Yep. Yeah, I love that. Can't hide under it as well as they could when they're a bunch of little 11-year-olds. And then we get the grim. The grim. That comes right after Ron and how scary and terrifying, mm-hmm. how ambiguous she makes it. That, yep. Like, it drags Ron into the tree instead yeah. of Harry and Harry's so confused. Yeah. And then they get walloped by the... Yes, by the tree. Yeah. Um, they get whomped by the whomping They below. do get whomped. And then we go inside, and uh, we get Ron, um, and, like, Sirius being super suspect. Oh, yeah. He's super he, I was going to say, she definitely wrote, like, two extra minutes yeah. of... He's an absolute madman for that entire time he is ready to murder yes but they could um scabbers she, without she any could explanation have ba- i was gonna say she could have balanced it out a little bit easier but she just wanted to hold that tension yeah. on for a little bit longer and it was really stupid when harry's like trying to fight physically fight um serious and i love that serious literally starts to strangle harry yeah. he's like i've waited too long yeah but then um we get remus who bursts in saves the day and oh my god what exposition what a complete and utter turnaround is scabbers isn't a rat ron nope he's a man yeah oh i do like how when no, no, i always had the question in the movie when he escapes and tor- turns back into a rat and his clothes are still human size yes. i'm like and then in um in Order of the Phoenix, mm-hmm. when Sirius follows Harry to the train station, there's like he's a, naked. There's yeah. like a bathrobe waiting for yes. him in yes. yeah. the um mm-hmm. in like the the, the alleyway, uh, and that? then Peter Pettigrew transforms back into a person after twelve years, and he's just in very dirty clothing. Yeah, and that's already been established when McGonagall turns from a cat back into a witch. Yeah, that, she's like, like back the, in her. Yeah, robes. I was gonna yeah. say it never says that you're naked. Yeah, and it's like like her her spectacles become her markings around her eyes. Yeah, so it's like. 
gets picked. So now, like... Choices? Are they naked or not? Like, I get, I don't want to see Peter Pettigrew naked. I don't think anyone wants to, but, like, yeah. you need to have some continuity there. Which is really sad for Peter Pettigrew, because he probably a... lived and died a virgin. Yeah, I'm trying to think. He was always the chubby one. Was he ever, like, no, they, moderately attractive at, no, at school? No, they literally say he's the bumbling... Uh, he, had, like, he always had, like, those yeah. watery, rat-like yeah, eyes. Yeah, there was some... Imagine turning into an animagus for the first time and your form is a rat. How yes. disappointing was that being? I know. When you're, all of your friends, your best friend's a werewolf, yeah, and then yeah. the other two are this big black dog and a stag, and you're a rat. Yeah. They really should have known... That it's very, Peter was the rat for the game. It's kind of indicative of his yeah, personality. Exactly. But um no, I love the the exposition that we go into, the reveal that Sirius is as they try and explain to to Harry and um and Hermione and Ron uh like the entire backstory of Sirius yeah. and how good it is and the amount of pain, anguish yeah that that guy has gone through and he's still willing to go through more. Mm -hmm. He literally was living off rats to keep Harry alive. Yeah. I fucking love that. Yeah. And it's why Sirius is my favorite character. Is like, he literally, yeah. Cause he literally just loved James and Lily so much Mm -hmm. that he would do anything. And he loved Harry that much too. Yes. Oh, big time. I always, I always thought when I was a kid, when I was reading the books that like Harry was, like an infant infant. It's like, Harry was a year and a half old. Yeah. He's like, he had a, he had a fully formed little person, toddler personality. Yep, exactly. And you, and you get that when you see, when you see the bits say, of the in letter. the seventh book, yes. Yeah. Harry on his first toy broomstick whizzing around the room. Yep. Like pulling the cat's tail. It's like, Harry was a full-blown kind of toddler person. And that that's where got you, to know. and that's what, um, uh, they try and play it off, and I'm listening to Order of the Phoenix now, mm-hmm. and I cannot stand the complete and utter switch that they have yeah. in Sirius's personality. Because now I'm paying attention, I'm looking for it, and it's every single word of that book is complete and utter. Like, it's a complete juxtaposition yeah. to even book four. I was just thinking that, because in book four, yeah. he's he's telling Harry, don't take any risks, don't take don't any be, risks. Yeah, and then and now in all book five, of book five is how rash Sirius is, and it's like, no, Sirius is supposed to be yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and how and, angry yeah. he is that Harry won't take these risks with him when yeah. literally six months ago he was telling him to keep his head down. I just, yeah, I think you know, that I, is... I do agree with you. She I, she knew that she was going to kill Sirius off in that book and she didn't know what to do with this character for the entirety of it. Yeah, and uh, it's, I think it's a tragedy. I like that they didn't go into that in the movies where Gary Oldman is just... The, yeah, Gary Oldman is more paternalistic yeah. um, in, a, in the good sense of the word. Yeah. Towards Harry. Yeah, he's um, very protective. He's, And, like, they do still have that tension between him and Molly, but it's more like they both want to protect Harry and have different ideas of doing it. Versus, Whereas, they, there's a lot of, like, open hostility yeah. between them, which I don't like. No, because they Molly's should have not, liked each other, and that's what... Molly's we, not that type of... No. Mother figure. She definitely wants to protect Harry, but she would be... She, would she be is very, like, active that, of, like, well, you chose to go to prison, and it's like... No, that's not Molly. How it works. Like that's no. not what. It's happened. like she would be thrilled for Harry to have this person back in his yes, life she would. that actually knew his parents. Yeah, it's like that's not the Molly that we get to know through the first four books, and it's not the Molly who's in the last two. No, and it's not the serious either. But no. she just wrote that as plot points. Yeah, and that's part of the reason that I hate um, Order of the Phoenix so much. Um, <sighs> but in this moment, I love that. Like, talk about just a great story from the get go when you have planted. 
Fudge literally says at the beginning of the story, you know, he always says he's at Hogwarts. He's at Hogwarts. Yeah. And you realize it's because he has um, the newspaper with the picture of the Weasley family from Egypt. Yeah. Yeah, and that's when it's he, like how many rats and it's also missing that specific finger again. It's so smart. Yeah, it was serious figuring that out and knowing how he had to uh, yeah. escape immediately afterwards. Yeah. And he literally says, like, I'm not entirely sure how I did it. He goes, but it lit a fire in my brain, something they couldn't put out. Yeah. I always Because it wasn't a happy that. thought. Yep, exactly. It was he literally just needed to get out to protect Harry. And he's literally risking a Dementor's kiss. Yeah. He is risking his very soul mm-hmm. For Harry. And it is. It's like, it wasn't a happy thought. It was, mm-hmm. it was revenge and it mm-hmm. was anger and it was fear. Yep. And especially being in his animagus form for most of the time, he still had that little bit of his humanity left. Not a lot of it because mm-hmm. he's batshit crazy oh, for most yeah. of this book. He is. But um, he had that spark still in him and the anger and the rage and the mm-hmm. need to avenge James and Lily is what yes. got him out of that. Uh, also to protect Harry. And like to protect Harry. It's not, he's not, it's not he, just revenge, I but I, say, think, I not, think the the anger and the fear are what drove him at that time. Oh, absolutely. But because it's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he expected to come out of it alive I, at the other end. I don't think he expected a relationship with Harry. I think no, he, no, 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 no. He's not doing it to have a relationship with Harry. He's doing it literally so Peter Pettigrew can't kill Harry. No, no, I know. That's what I... I think that no, is I a know. bigger motivator than absolutely. revenge. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. I just think that because he didn't have that hope, mm-hmm. the Dementors weren't able to snuff it out. Oh yeah, no, I'm. I totally agree with yeah. you. That's yeah. He makes that it's expressly those, clear. Yeah, it's like it's, it's all those negative feelings. Yes, but um, no, I think part of the motivator for, I mean, the biggest part of the motivation to kill, and she kind of paints it as serious. Like really, he's he's obsessed with vengeance. Yeah, and it's like no, he's actively trying to protect Harry because yeah. he, he knows, knows that, that um, what's we call it the first sign that Voldemort's anywhere mm-hmm. he's going to deliver Harry to Do we Baltimore. think that if Sirius hadn't come in this book, do we think that Peter would have left? Or do you think he would have stayed as a rat? I think he would have stayed as a rat. Yeah. He had already spent 13 years as, right. a, as a rat. Right. It's like it wasn't until Sirius came and kind of exposed him that he had to leave. And then he went and he found Voldemort. Do we think that he was inevitably going to go and find Voldemort, or do we think if Sirius had never no, come back? No, it was. Uh, they make it clear in the fourth book that Voldemort literally says to Peter, like, "Oh, you know, his friends revealed him to yeah. what he is, so um, that he was driven out of desperation yeah. to come find me." No, and they um, they say that in the in the chapter, the third mm-hmm. book as well, is that um, Sirius says like he's not going to look out for. Voldemort. He is looking for Harry because mm-hmm. he knows he's got an ace in the hole because he knows the Death Eaters are going to be coming after him mm-hmm. unless he delivers Harry. Um. So yeah, I uh, I, I think Peter Pettigrew again is a is a great character. He's a worm. Yes, oh, I love him absolutely. But he's uh, he plays such a good hateable bad guy, and the fact that he slips away and you genuinely have that like that rage. Yeah. Of him getting away. Timothy Spall does a fantastic portrayal of him in the movie. He does. He does a really good job. Yeah. And again, I they, I don't in my head, he is yeah um, Peter Pettigrew. Yep. Which is the highest praise I can give. Um. Thulis, what's his first name? David. David Thulis playing Lupin is the same thing. He is Lupin in my head. Um. I I like that Lupin also. Um. You know the calm, gentle one who kind of. 
you know, thinks things through a mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah. Even he is like, we need to kill Peter. Yeah. Because he understands what is he, yeah, what's at, at stake. stake and, yeah. Um, and he's got that anger, too, because he spent his entire... He's spent the last 12, 13 years believing that Sirius had killed his best friends. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that eating away at him. Absolutely. So, um... That followed by, like, Snape just the, shows up. Yes. Snape shows up. Oh, and that conversation. And you have Snape in the complete and utter rage. And I like that he literally loses it. And then they all gang up on uh I was going to say, together. it was Harry, Hermione, and... Is it just the two of them? No, it's Harry, Hermione, and Ron all um, expelliamus yeah, him and at once. And that's what knocks him knocks out. Knocks him out. Right, because in the movie, it's just Harry, and everybody's like, Harry, you attacked a teacher. No, it is, in the books, it is, we attacked a teacher. Yeah. Um, which I think is better. That yes. all three of yes. them together um, were at that point. Um, also, we should probably clarify, Snape comes in before um, the Peter Pettigrew is revealed, yes. because it is that perfect sequence of events. You're just that where close, and then Snape bursts in, and it's like, no! But there are, like... Five times in which it's like, oh, it's so close. Yeah. It's so close. It's so close. Chapter. And that two pages that Harry realizes he's going to go live with Sirius and how happy oh. he is and how happy Sirius is. And then you have that devastation. Do you think Dumbledore would have allowed that, though? Harry still needed to, needed to go back to the Dursleys to keep the blood cur- the blood protection alive. I know. I don't think he would have allowed it. Because it's the, what's McCall? He would have let him live a... From old place, otherwise. Yeah, with the Weasleys. Yeah, no. I, um, what's McCoy? He would have had to live at, um, at least part of... Because he still has to consider Privet Drive home. Yes. So, I, he would probably go and visit Sirius on weekends or something along those lines. But, uh, yeah. No, that would have been, uh, that would have been Even having that escape from the, ugh. And that's, I think, my argument is gonna, I, I think Sirius probably should have lived... I know. I think he, I think as a character, I think him and Lupin should have survived. Yeah. Peter Pettigrew has to die yes. at the end. I don't like how she pulled off his death because mm-hmm. I think, it's kind um, of a cop out. she, it's kind of, it was kind of a cop out where he should have had a more spectacular, like important death. Mm-hmm. How great would it have been if Peter Pettigrew got the Elder Wand or something along mm. those lines? And that's when the Elder Wand won't work because he won't, uh, and that's how Harry gets it. Yeah. Like, I think that It's like, it needed better. to be something more than him, like, hesitating and being like, oh, do I really want... And then his hand turning yeah, against yeah. him. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm okay with the hand strangling But it needed him. to it be needed more to be, uh, of a decisive moment. It needed to be more high-stakes moment. And I would... Yeah. Uh, I... It should have been... I not necessarily high-stakes, but I feel like it had to be more of a decision on Peter Pettigrew's part not to... No, because there's no... Uh, my argument is that there's nothing redeemable. It should have been yeah. a Gollum moment. It should have been Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, what's McCullough? You know, uh fate takes a hold and mm-hmm. that's why i think it peter pettigrew should have it should have been the hinge yeah that made um Voldemort's downfall somehow yeah. and you can have multiple like that be the smallest stone in the avalanche yeah but i think that that definitely should have been a much much more decisive factor because mm-hmm. as dumbledore builds up in several chapters from now and he makes it so abundantly clear that um you know, good, you should have left Peter Pettigrew alive. And he goes, I knew your father well, Harry. And he would have done the same thing. And yeah. again, we have James being built up as this wonderful, Merciful, awesome person. Yeah. And everyone is torn down in the fifth book. Yeah. Whew. But yeah. Um, we get Harry thinking he sees his father. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the time turner? 
Yeah, we should probably talk about that. It's awful. It's the, one of the worst things she ever introduced. And in she books. admitted that too, where yeah. she's like, "I as soon as I introduced it, I I needed to destroy yeah, it." Yeah, I it, it's pointless. I think they could have done the entire adventure without the time turner, and mm-hmm. it would have been a better story. Yeah. She would have had to be more creative because she couldn't have just had the oh, they will go back in time and fix everything. Yeah. Because then it's why don't you go back in time and strangle baby Voldemort? Yeah. That's all. Yep. It's it's the whole argument of going back and killing Hitler. Yes. It's, uh, what's it called? I don't, um... And it's, like, easy. it's funny from the start where it's, like, because Hermione is such a bookworm, she needs to take all of the classes. Yeah. It's, like, I like where it started, but it's just, it's too convoluted and it doesn't work. It's, uh, what's it called? If you're going to introduce time travel, you need to make it iron tight. Yes. And she did not do that. Nope. At all. Nope. So, I hate it. I don't... I don't think it's good, but it's also not something that ruins the book. It's just like, oh yeah, that's like a fine ending. Yeah. And Siri and him helping Sirius escape and Sirius still having to be on the run is good. Yeah. But I think that the end of the fourth book should have been Sirius is revealed to be um, not the person of interest. And that would have been great. Yeah, because it is. It's just kind of put on, it's like an aside in the beginning of the sixth book with the two prime ministers. Yeah. With the other minister. He was actually innocent. Oh, it turns out he was innocent. That was, uh, that was, that was our, our, yeah. our bad. Yeah. And it's just, it's He's one dead, of the, by the way. She, she had one of the greatest characters of all time and she kind of just squandered him on, well, Harry needs all of his parents to die, aside from the Weasleys. Yeah, it's like, and it's you like, need to, I don't... needed to kill off all of the marauders and all the parental figures yeah, in his life. which I, I get it. She said, uh, you know, a big part of her philosophy is um, war costs pain and suffering, so people need to die. And I'm, I'm okay with that, but I, I don't think that that makes for as good a story. And I think Sirius had so much potential as a character. Yeah. I think you could have had a showdown between him and Snape that would have been incredible. Well, it's it's the kind of thing where you can have a character die, but it needs to be done in a good and a meaningful way. Where George R. R. Martin makes you fall in love with characters and then kills them off and it's devastating, mm-hmm. but it means something. Yes. It's not just kind of, oh, I don't mm-hmm. know what to do with this character, so they're yeah. gone. It's like when Ned Stark dies, that's like, oh my god. It's when it hooked me. Yeah. For the, and it's like when Rob and Catelyn. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, Rickon. Like, yeah, all, all of just, this, it, like, all of these characters, their deaths have some larger purpose within the plot of the story. It's not just an, oh, because Harry needs to suffer more. Yeah. And that's, I, I, I agree. And, um... I, I don't think it makes good plot sense. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it makes good character sense. No. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a sad thing. Well, I yeah. mean, we'll definitely talk more about Sirius Black in the future. Yeah. We'll I have, have uh, I was going to say, one Phoenix. of the biggest pieces of contention I have is how she ends up with Lupin. I think that's another one where she completely pissed away one of the best characters ever. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Lupin could have gone back and been Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher <laughs> under McGonagall and it would have yeah. been incredible. Yeah, no, her, her character, like, undevelopment of him in the seventh book has always pissed me off and this whole thing with like we disagree i like that he and tonks get together but the whole thing with him when he finds out that tonks is pregnant and he runs away it's like that's not the, that's not the character that she yeah. built in the first place and he's not a coward and that's what i'm talking about is she kind of got fascinated with this idea of 
all of Harry's father figures, all of Harry's heroes yeah. need to be deeply flawed yeah. aside from Mr. and Mrs. Weasley. Yeah. And I don't understand because that doesn't make likable characters. You can have characters with flaws. Yeah. But you're going to make it's, Dumbledore kind of an asshole. Yeah, it's you're like going to have Lupin be absolutely terrified yeah. of being a father. But yes. he, he wouldn't abandon. He's, I was going to say he's mean, he's cowardly, yeah. he gets into fights with Harry, and yeah. then it's like he, you he can, completely goes back to right. being normal again. Yeah. It's and like it's you, all... can, like you can totally see him being absolutely terrified and not knowing what to do, but he still needs to be that good person. Yeah. And he's not in that confrontation at Grimmauld Place. And that's, bringing it back to the third one, that's not what we get in the last chapter. No. He's this calm, cool, collective, yep. gentle... Yeah. Um, you know, he's a he's a very good uncle to Harry. Yes. And I I think she really, really made a mistake in mm-hmm. going away from that in the future books. Yeah. Um, but I would argue that this all starts... Um, all this character failures and all these character flaws all begin with Ron in book four. And that's mm-hmm. when everything starts to go downhill. Because, yeah. again, oh, you know, what's good, what's bad, it can't be black and white. And it's like, yeah, that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. But there are characters that you can make more deeply flawed. I would yeah. love if we really got into Mad-Eye Moody, and Mad-Eye mm-hmm. Moody's kind of a badass and kind of a murderer, mm-hmm. but he's on the good team. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that would be yeah. so cool. Kingsley, like we don't need, you really we don't develop... need a 700-page book of Ron being a whiny asshole because... He... Oh, I can give you four. Or three, I should yeah. say. Actually, no. Yeah, yeah, that's three. So, any other final moments from Harry Potter and the Prisoner I like of how he ends when Harry goes back for the summer. He's like, oh yeah, by the way, remember that, that mass murderer that escaped? He's my godfather and he's going to be checking in on me, so. Mm-hmm. I, I just like how he kind of keeps the, the Pig Widgeon is also yes. a huge thing that they lost in the movies. I love that Ron oh. gets another pet. And I love, again. His should... Errol's just a... Useless pile of feathers. No, it's, I just, uh, again, you have serious being thoughtful yeah, and sending Ron. to Ron. And he says, you know, I, I'm kind of responsible for why he lost his last pet. Consider this his new pet. Yeah. And Ron is thrilled because he finally has something of his own. Yeah. Oh, and it's just. a hand-me-down. Exactly. And it's just, it's a very nice moment for him. Yeah. Um, but no. And it's revealed that he was the one that gave Harry the firebolt. Yes. Which is great. And he gives him the, um, what's him called? The, um. Letter to Hogsmeade. Yes. So you're closing up like three... Which is hilarious that like, Dumb- like Dumbledore and McGonagall look at that and like, oh yeah, wanted mass murderer, who we know isn't a mass murderer, but is still wanted by the ministry. We're going to accept that as Harry's yeah, sign off. Who's going to ask? I know. I just find it funny. Mm. It's, just, it's just Dumbledore being Dumbledore. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Anything else? Any other major points in like the movies or anything? I'm trying to think for the endings and stuff. I like how they did the Patronus, but I, I can't imagine the Patronus being any other way. They um, make Snape a much more... Um, I like that moment, ...likable character it's, in this I, scene because, like, as much as he may hate Harry, as much mm-hmm. as he may, like... He still tries to protect him. The first thing he does when he sees mm. Lupin as a werewolf is throw himself in front of the three of them. Yep, and that's, I, again... Uh, of characters that she oh, could have done a better... I love Alan Rickman. Yes, but um, of characters she could have done a better job with. I think that that is a, is a major point. Yeah. That um, Snape is too detestable. And I think yes. he's too detestable in um, The Bounds of Book 3, too. Mm-hmm. And I like that, you know, he can hate Harry and yeah. be the worst and stuff like that, but he does 
if like, you care have, about the students. I'm gonna say, if you have the end goal mm-hmm. as him being this hidden hero, mm-hmm. he needs to have more moments of not being a raging asshole. I uh, yes, I agree, and I think that the movies do an excellent yes. job of that. And Alan Rickman's betrayal in Deathly Hallows, is both part one and part two. I, I'm just thinking back to Chamber of Secrets, the snark between him and Kenneth Branagh. Yes, in the dueling club, and he's just like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. All right, he's having fun in that moment. Of course he is. Is there anything else I can think? Of? I think that's pretty much it. I think so. That- Wraps up Prisoner of Azkaban for us. I think that wraps up Prisoner of Azkaban, so stay tuned for Goblet of Fire. Dun dun dun. Thanks for listening to the Enlightened Podcast. We are brought to you by Anchor, a subdivision of Spotify specifically for podcasting. Not only can we be found on Spotify, we can also be found on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or frankly, anywhere you can find a good podcast. We can also be found on Instagram and Facebook. We're working on getting a Snapchat together. And in the meantime, you can DM us any questions, thoughts, concerns, or just a review. We've gotten more than a couple so far, and they've been overwhelmingly positive, not to brag, but we're pretty happy about that. So if you have any other thoughts or opinions, please feel free to let us know. And in the meantime, like and subscribe for more content.